The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round two recap for this week's Mexico Open. Joining me to break it all down, Kyle Porter is here. KP, hello. Welcome. Yeah. Hello, Rick. Uh, you got a haircut? Thank you. Yes. My kids and I watched the draft last night. Were you pleased with, uh, with who your Eagles got? I am under the impression if you listen to Eagles fans, which are certainly reliable narrators, that <laughs> for sure. we got uh, the two best players in the draft. Oh, okay. Wow. Now, I, don't know, I don't know how that's possible. I don't, I don't know how the guy who goes ninth overall is the best player in the draft, but I'm, <laughs> I'm being told that he is. I, that that kind of goes against common sense, but I'm, I'm told I should be very excited about it. Well, my sons were very concerned because who was the ninth pick? Uh, Jalen Carter. Carter from Georgia, right? Yes. Yeah. So they were really concerned because he, Roger Goodell, who, who makes a lot of money to uh, announce draft picks, mm-hmm. which, by the way, the draft uh, just – it, it, it's a very normal sport thing. Like you're basically getting up there. I was ranting about this to my friends this morning. You're getting up there and you're announcing, I have, uh, I have chosen a place of employment <laughs> and everybody. <laughs> like, can you imagine that? If, if no, it's not even that, that's like, that's like when kids say what college they're going to, that's like saying I chose a place of employment. This is like <laughs> saying we've chosen your place of employment. <laughs> It's absurd. It would be like you hiring somebody at rickrungood.com to do all the data stuff, to do, to do all the Sunday night stuff that with the names that you don't want to do, like Matt Fitzpatrick and Matthew Fitzpatrick. And us holding a, like, like putting up a tent outside your home and gathering people and them giving this man or woman a standing ovation after you hired them. How absurd would that be? It's insane. It's it, it, we, you know, we talk about this all the time, and I think I mentioned it to Mark last night. Just like what the NFL has been able to create buzz about all year yeah. long, three sixty five. Yeah. Anyway, my kids were, my boys were very concerned that uh, 
that Jalen Hurts is no longer going to be number one because Roger Goodell gave uh, <laughs> Jalen Carter a number one jersey. They're like, Dad, did did Jalen Hurts change now? Because we got my son, my youngest son, a Jalen Hurts jersey for Christmas. That's what he wanted. And they're like, is he a different number now? I was like, no, listen, like, first of all, offensive tackles, I don't think they're allowed to be number one, right? They did just change the rules, but I don't think they're that flexible. <laughs> and then two, it's just, that's just what you get. I, I, I think if you're a first round pick, right? You just get a one. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody, like if you're present, you get a one, right? Like, it's just like, uh, it's just very ceremonial. Yeah. I was wondering about that. Do they print? How do they get, I, how do they? I know. I know how. Did, okay. Tell me. I want to know. A Michigan based company. Uh, has been doing it for the last 12 years where they right behind the stage, they have a, um, a heat press. Okay. And so there were only, so they only do it obviously for the players who are present. So I think this year there were 24 players that were invited and present or something like that. So they have uh, 24 names, but every possible team, all 32 teams, with all the fonts. So it's like 500 and something different combinations that you could possibly have. And then as soon as the pick is in, they have 60 seconds to grab the team Jersey. Well, they know what team it is. Cause they know whatever. Well, but what about a What about a trade? So uh, there's a huge rack of jerseys and okay. they just are, are grabbing blank Jersey, grab, go to the player's name, grab the nameplate for that player. Uh, uh, put it there. The heat press takes 15 seconds. So they put it down, hold it down for 15 seconds. They peel the backing off of it, hand it to the runner who takes it out to Roger Goodell, all, all within 30 seconds. That's, that's intent. That has to be one of the most stressful jobs in all of sports. They acted like it was nothing because, because every year they have to, uh, they have to like get the bid again. So they're like, oh, we've got this down to a science. It's oh, for sure. No problem. And, and they're like frantically running around like crazy people. Yeah. Well, they're like, the. I mean, that's, that's, that's even crazier than I thought it was. So when you say different fonts, it, yeah. are there different name plate fonts for different teams? All of them are different. Yeah. They all, they all have, I guess maybe there's some are similar, but they're not all just like, block letters you know the the jacksonville jaguars have a very unique font the you know that's going to be much different than like an old school new york giants font and every nameplate needs you know it can't just be generic it has to match the team's font interesting i didn't know that i didn't know any of that that's this is this is a great like history lesson with rick gaiman yeah speaking uh, speaking of lessons from rick gaiman you were just giving me this this theory that you have, I promise we'll get to Finau and Rom, but yeah, they're still playing. You're not missing anything. We'll, we'll get okay. to them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the coverage is actually still long, because I think they're going to go until Rom, Rom finishes. But I, we were talking about the trials and tribulations of GPS systems in cars. And I was kind of joking that, like, you know, they can never be wrong because they're constantly recalculating and they're constantly, you know, if you were 10 minutes away and you get hit a traffic jam and now it tells you it's 20, it's just, it's never going to be wrong. When you, when you pull up to your destination, it's going to say you're here at this well, time. 
Yeah, it's 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 a history is written by the winners situation. And guess what? You versus a robot is is going to be the robot. Tough, tough to beat. But the big thing is, uh, you know, I was I was listening to this podcast that basically was trying to say how all these GPS systems should interact and work with one another. Right. And and disperse traffic. So instead of giving every as far as I know, GPS is only give you like two main options. The two default options are uh, fastest route by time mm -hmm. or shortest route now like by distance by mileage yeah yeah now within those two default routes there are likely three four five routes for each of those that are within a minute a two minutes mm -hmm. something yeah. very very small so the idea would be uh, that the you know the GPSs would work together, and when someone punches in a destination and it knows you're using these routes, to basically spread everybody out so that it cuts down on traffic for everyone. And and really, one of the main reasons that this hasn't happened because the technology is obviously there is that uh, humans don't want to be the one that's getting like the three minute longer mm -hmm. route, even if. Sometimes you get the three minute longer route. Sometimes you get the fastest route. It, it, people aren't willing to accept that. It's a little bit of a prisoner's dilemma, right? Mm -hmm. You've heard of prisoner's dilemma where yeah. you're both faced with a choice, but you don't know what the other person's choosing. Right. And if you, and if you do the same thing, good for both of you or whatever. But if you, yeah. one and one of you chooses the other, not so great. You're both, yeah. It's 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 very messy. It's probably not like the perfect analogy, but so people use different GPS systems, though, right? So, like, would right would Google Maps be able to communicate with Waze? So for that example? would be the ideal situation. But even within Google Maps, thinks about yeah. how many millions of people are using Google Maps at all times, right? And and in any major city, how many? you know, tens of thousands of people are using it at the same time, that that should be, uh, that alone should be enough to kind of sp help spread people out. But uh, apparently they've, I guess they've tried this. They have uh, done a bunch of focus groups and it is not received as well as one would think it is. That's really interesting. That's a, that's a, it's a brilliant idea. Traffic is so weird though, because, where I live in, in Dallas, for example, you know, the, the main highway that everybody gets on, it's only consolid. It's only like really compacted for two hours of the day. Right. So it's almost like so something like that wouldn't, it would, it would help, but it wouldn't really like solve the entire issue because everybody's like, it, it, that something like that would be more helpful if it was like pretty like fairly packed over a long period of time instead of really packed over a short period of time. So the other thing would be um, what what I actually think is it would be if if we got employers uh, and corporations. So again, I'm yeah, sure here we go. This will go really well for sure to stagger start times for people. Right. Like, so, so we, we can't have everyone working nine to five. Right. And not everyone does, but you know, let's say that's the biggest chunk of people because now everyone is using those highways, those routes at the same time. But if you had a third of people or a quarter of people who started 
at seven, work seven to three, and then eight to four, and then nine to five, and then 10 to six. Now you are not only spreading out traffic, but you're spreading out the need to use these routes. Yeah. I'm sure CEOs will be like fired up about the loss of productivity throughout the day. Yeah, because when it comes out that the report is like, oh, those that start at 10 are way less productive. Yeah. Yeah. But then you could switch, you could, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't get that would that would go worse than the than the map thing. Yeah, because you're like, okay, well now this month you you were you were ten to six. Now you're seven to three. Also, please readjust all your like childcare things. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, if you've got if you got other other stuff, you got to take care. I mean, what do, why do people? Why, why the majority of people should not have to go into the office for sure. Like, I don't know what percentage, I'm sure it's a massive number of people who could get done just as much, if not more from home. But again, we're raging against the machine. These corporations have paid too much in leases or yeah. in office space that they cannot go to the board and say, yeah, we spend $5 million a month on office space that no one uses. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, a sick business that one of my friends almost started right before the pandemic, not knowing the pandemic was coming was a almost like a prefab backyard office business where he like stood up these backyard offices for people that, cause he, he, he worked from home. I worked from home. We both had backyard off. I, I was not involved in the business, but I was like, Oh, this, this is a pretty like cool idea. He ended up not doing it, and then the pandemic hit, and I was like, "Oh, he would have made a billion dollars." Yeah, he'd be. I mean, right yeah, he would have made as much money as he could like hire people to build these things, you know. Um, anyway, I don't know how we, we should talk about Tony Fino. So, Mexico, uh, the Mexico Open round two is nearing its completion, and Tony Fino, hunky Tony, picked up on friday morning right where he left off on thursday afternoon out in 31 five birdies no bogeys and he tacked on three more birdies on his inward nine just one blemish on the card that was at the par four eighth and a seven under 64 to take what will almost certainly be the 36 hole lead yeah, it, w it will be the 36 holy because the only player still on the course that has a that's even within four of him is Eric Cole, who has one hole left. <laughs> so not not likely. Yeah, not probably not going to happen. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is I, I think one of the things that's really interesting, Rick, is and this has happened. This happens all the time where a guy is playing very well, but but it, but because he doesn't win, you sort of not forget about him, but you're just not talking about him as much. So this actually happened with John Rahm uh, about a year ago or a year and a half ago before the, before the Mexico open, basically it's happening right now with Justin Thomas and Colin Morikawa. It's been happening with Tony Fina. I know Fina won in the fall and JT and Morikawa have gone longer than that without winning, but Tony Fina is playing golf at kind of the same clip as Rory McIlroy. And we spend a lot of oxygen talking about Rory, right? Deservedly so. And we spend not very much oxygen talking about Tony Finau. And I think that it's just like, 
I'm glad when guys like this win or lead because it's just a reminder of like, oh yeah, this is not like uh, Andrew Putnam leading or winning the Mexico Open. It's it's this guy's been playing awesome and at a clip that's not quite John Rom, but not that far away. And so that's got me excited about uh, about Big Tone going into to the weekend. Yeah, and obviously this is a place he seems to fancy. He had the runner-up finish here last year. He's obviously front-running with with uh, 36 holes to go. And if he were, obviously lots of golf to be played and lots of people behind him, but he would he would pile up one, two, three, four wins in his last like 16 starts or so, something like that, maybe 20 starts. Yeah, it's um. It's pretty crazy, especially given how little he won uh, at the beginning. Okay, so I've got this on. Uh, I've got this on Data Golf right now. So the last six months, John Rom three three strokes gained per round, which is sick. <laughs> That's disgusting. Uh, Finau is at two point two, which is which is like I mean, that's. Uh, that's like a top five player in the world. Right. That's like the best player in the world. The next closest guy, how about this? The next closest guy is Wyndham Clark. This is the last six months of play. So <laughs> all of this year going into the end of last year, the next closest guy is Wyndham Clark at one and a half. So remember, Rom's at three, Fino's at 2.2, Wyndham Clark at one and a half. The fourth guy on here, Alex Noren at 0.9. So Fino is more than doubling the strokes gain per round of the fourth best guy in this field, which kind of, it just gives you a, a better, um, it, it gives you better context for how well he's been playing. Yeah. I like that a lot. Well, he's at 13 under par thanks to a Thursday, 65, a Friday, 64, and he will have a lot of time because it'll be a late, late Saturday tea time for Tony Finau likely playing with Eric Van Royen, who got out early on Friday, shot at 66 after his opening round, 64. He had two bogeys offset by, what would that be? Seven birdies, including one on his final hole of the day, number nine, the par three. We were starting to see a little bit of a trend from EVR where after after 2023, he started to play a little bit better because he was very much in a, a horrible slump to end to end last year. Yeah, he was. I'm trying to find what his results have been uh, so far this year. Got, he had he started off the year. He finished T6 at the American Express, missed a couple of cuts. He made the cut in Phoenix. He finished 32nd at Puerto Rico. Then he finished T10 at Valspar, and he had a great ball striking week there. Missed a couple of cuts, played, played the Zerg last week, made the cut, and now we've got this. But before yeah. that, it was like, I mean, he missed like seven straight cuts last summer. Yeah. And like the cuts that he did make, he wasn't finishing in the top 20. Right. I mean, he has, uh, what is that? One, two, three, four, like 15, no, like 10 tournaments in a row where he lost strokes to the field, including on the European tour. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. I, I don't, when I think of EVR, I don't think of a guy like that. I think of a pretty like middle of the road, not really gaining a ton but not losing like that you know to to the rest of the world so yeah it's good to see him great shirt here by the way just feathers everywhere um yeah, he's not afraid to take some risks fashion wise i don't mind that 
I, I, I mean, this shirt I don't necessarily love, but I don't mind his risks. Like people give him crap about the joggers and the all that stuff. I, 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 am I gonna wear it? Would I look good in it? Probably not. But I kind of I don't mind it. Yeah, if I looked like EVR, I'd wear the joggers and I'd wear that shirt too. <laughs> now is this, very, is this picture from today, Josh? Because or does he still have the mustache? He's a very handsome man. This might be from today. Josh says it's from today. Okay, there you go. So back to the the full beard, which is honestly much better than the stash he was rocking. So those two, those two are kind of front running this thing. So Tony Finau at 13 under, Eric yeah. Green at 12 under, and nobody else in double digits under par. Will Gordon and Andrew Putnam already in at nine under. Eric Cole finishing up right now at nine under par. Austin Smotherman finishing up just a, a hole and a half to play at nine under. So there is a little bit of a gap. Anybody kind of lurking in that immediate nine under range that you want to chat about smotherman's going for his second mexico open victory eric cole's been having a great year uh when did smother excuse me when did smotherman win the mexico open previously 18 i believe uh when it was pga tour latino america okay that's kind of cool he's i guess he could catch finau technically he's three back with four to go he'd have to he would have to now he's got two left. He would have to make an ace on 17. That would get him to 11 under. And he would could make an eagle. So if he finishes 1-3, he could tie Tony Fino. Sure. Uh, of course. 17's crazy, by the way. Dude, there are some there there are some very like bland. Like the the 600 yard par five is just it's just nothing but this yeah, thing, which yeah. I don't love. But there are some really good holes out here that are fun and challenging. And great. yeah, yeah, uh, I think and I think Rom hit it in the water on one of the par threes earlier. I think it was n- ten nine. Yeah, we'll 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 get. To, he made he went he had two, a two hole stretch that he played in three under, and he had two hole stretch that he played at three over, and one of yeah. them was a, a double on that part. It was it was pretty crazy. It does have a the, the the court the golf course has a little bit. I missed this tournament completely last year. I was out of the country, but the golf course has a little bit of a um like Dubai Abu Dhabi feel at times, where it's like, it's, I mean, it's different obviously, but it's a little deserty and palm tree and I don't know. It's it's kind of kind of interesting, but. Yeah, in terms of players, I mean, Cam Champ, if he's in the top 10, he's probably going to win. He's True. T8 right now. Uh, we're going to talk about Rom. <laughs> we gave – who picked Ches Reeve in the one and done? Was that uh, – yeah, and and he's T – what? seven? I guess he's T17. But, I mean, the other one and done picks, Gary Woodland's probably not going to make the cut. He was mine and a couple other people. Wyndham Clark is uh, one shot. I mean, they're both. So, so w- this is a very sweaty one and done cut sweat because Gary Woodland is is at one under. He's three over today. Yeah. Wyndham Clark is one under. They both have. Well, Gary Gary's playing seventeen right now, uh, and then Wyndham Clark's got four holes left. So they they got to get at least one more coming in. It would be crazy if they both missed the cut, considering the. We had a like n- nobody really picked like the big dogs. Did anybody pick Fino? Oh, uh, yeah, somebody did. Did you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> nobody picked Rom. Nobody, but you we picked guys that were like in the top six in terms of like the odds, and two of them might miss the cut. Golf is very, very weird. 
it is it's very strange. Good to see Brandon Wu up there. Um I saw uh Derek Ernst made an appearance yesterday. I don't know what he did today, but I saw him up there yesterday. Can you name and I'm gonna have to double check this thing? T forty five. I'm pretty sure I'm right. Uh actually, I'm I might be confusing him with another Derek. Um okay, no, I'm I'm right. Well, uh, Derek Ernst has one PGA Tour victory. Do you know when, when and where it was? Yeah, yeah, we talked about this. It was Quail, Quail Hollow in 2013. When did we talk about that? Or maybe, maybe it was, I don't know. Maybe you weren't on. I don't think I was involved in that. He beat, because he beat Phil, Justin Rose, Rory. It was, it was preposterous. Oh, I kind of remember that now. Yeah, it was like just the weirdest win ever. And he's done basically nothing since 2013. Yeah, that's exactly right. He's only ever he's only ever played in two major championships. That's he's, a, never, that, he's only ever played in two majors, and and none of them have been in the last nine years. It's almost impossible to win a. This is like the the uh, playing in the final round of the Masters and never playing in the Masters again. It's almost impossible to win a tour event and only play in two majors. Right? How do you? How does that even? How does that happen? Because you're in the Masters. Yeah, he missed the cut. And then I, I presume he got into the PGA that year because it was in the fall. Yep. Or in the late in the summer. Afterwards. Yep. So he missed the cut at the 2013 PGA and he missed the cut at the 2014 Masters and never played another major. It's it's a little bit of the of the uh, who was it the one John Deere Michael Kim. <laughs> yeah. Who's also who's back, baby? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's T12 right now. Yeah. Four under today. What a board. What a, what a what a what a throwback board here. Well, well, scroll down a little bit further, find yourself John Rahm, the number one player in the world. As mentioned, he played 6 and 7 at 3 under. He played 9 and 10 at 3 over. Then he made birdies on 11, 12 and 14. He gave one back on 16. He is currently in the middle of the fairway on 18 right now, the par 5. So, chance he can get to 7, maybe 8 under if things go very well, but this has been we, we, we saw the worst of Rom today, and we saw the best of Rom today. Yeah, well, we saw the worst of Rom. He got very angry. Did very you see this? Angry. He gave two, two different fake, almost club, I don't even want to call them slams. They would have been smashes. They would have, he would have destroyed whatever item he hit had he released the force. It was a little bit of the EVR at the uh, 2021 PGA. Remember that? By the way, that, that is like, I mean, I'm not, I don't think he should go to prison or anything, but <laughs> that's like one of the worst things I've ever seen on a golf course. It's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not good because it's a little different than the Sergio thing where Sergio just slayed the sand in the bunker because people legit could have gotten hurt. Right. He smashed the, the T marker backwards towards people standing behind the T. That's where we stand. Like, that, like, yeah, uh, that's insanity. Yeah, it was it was it was bonkers. But yeah, I mean, listen, like Rom there's a lot of golf left and he's very much in it. Now, he's got a phenol problem, right? Because it's different when Eric Cole's 3 up on you than when Tony Finau's like 8 up on you. Like that's a very very different thing, obviously. So, I mean, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if they flipped spots and Finau won and Rom finished second. From 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 what they did last year, I hope that happens actually because I think I had Finau over Rom as one of my bets this week. Uh, that would be pretty cool, and I would love. I would just love. So we need we need John Rom to um, 
move on Saturday because I'd love to see like those two in the final in the final. Yeah, it would it would be fantastic. And I think, you know, we, we were kind of joking about the Rom getting angry thing, but I I think that a little bit Rick speaks to his people are like, oh, he's matured and he's calmed down and like he's not as emotional. I understand why people say that. he's not like less emotional than he was five years ago. He just, he has this ability now to not let it linger and affect him. I've talked about this a lot. Whereas I think five years ago, you think about that player's championship where he hits it in the water on 11 and yeah. like, it just was a spiral, you know, and, and not that that's not going to happen now, but I think he's got his ability to let go of things is a lot greater now than it was three, four, five years ago. Uh, John Rahm will not be in the field next week at the Wells Fargo Championship. I saw Rahm Scheffler uh, taking the week off. Hideki is back in Japan getting treatment for the neck, which is not good. It's, this thing's just been lingering forever now, which is stinky. But... <laughs> <laughs> everybody else is there very very stinky very stinky rory's back rory's back okay homa uh, going to going for the title defense that's basically rory's home course on tour wise uh yeah because homa's homa's won twice but one was at tpc potomac yeah he, he's got to be uh, you've told me this before and and i'm can't remember but in terms of player core like a, a, a player course relationship on regular tour events so not augusta not us open court whatever yeah rory at quail hollow has to be pretty close to like most strokes gained ever yeah i'll i'll run it again uh this week but yeah it's like rory there it, it was like dj and and jordan spieth at pebble yeah uh, hideki at phoenix, phoenix although that's probably dropped off a little bit probably i think there's another rory one as well it might be east lake Although I guess not like a regular tour event, but yeah, it's, it, it is very much. Um, and then there's one random one. It's like Charlie Hoffman at TPC San Antonio or something like that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> who could, who could forget? I bet Rom, I bet Rom is pretty nasty at, uh, at Tory. I feel like yeah, he always plays well there. That's another one as well. Yeah. I'll, I'll run him again and tweet him out or something. All right. Um, we are going to look at our, options for the weekend and see if we can figure out who's going to win this thing. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking a, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating 
workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now, here's what you can do for four our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. Gary Woodland has a five footer for par on 17 that if he oh. yeah, would need to make Eagle on 18. So I, I don't know about you, but he made it. I was going to say, I do not trust Gary Woodland over five foot putts, but he so he just needs to birdie the par five 18th. He needs to birdie 18, which is uh, the basically tied for the easiest hold uh, on the golf course with seven. They're both playing a half shot under par. So yes, I, he, I need it. He needs to birdie. Uh, 18, and he will make the cut. Because Wait. the cut is 98, 99% going to stay at two. Yes. Yes, that is correct. Okay. So Wyndham Clark is like probably going to make it also. Yeah, so he's got a, an 11-foot birdie putt on 15. He'll have to get through 16 and 17, but he'll have 18 as well. Um, I, I think he's probably, I don't think he's like a huge favorite, but I think he's a favorite to make the cut. He's playing well today. He's he's three under. I mean, yesterday was like the worst round he's had in quite some time. Yeah, that was weird. That that was that was bizarre because you know, I, I think I said this on Tuesday. I, if I had him in one and dead, I would have played him because he's playing I think the most underrated good golf in the world right now and just laid an egg on in round one. Yeah, bizarre stuff. Round of the day. I'm I'm vamping so that Josh can get the uh, the graphic ready. But I did want to look at the best round of the day, and I it was it was Fino, him, Grayson Sig, and Satoshi uh, Kadira were all seven under today. So all shot sixty four. Wow. EVR's up there too. He was, uh, I guess, five fifth, fifth best round of the day. Yeah, Scott Piercy. In the middle, six under. All right, show me the odds, Josh. Thank you very much. I think we saved enough. For, yeah, there we go. Wow. Wow. 36. Dude, the ROM thing is crazy. He's not even in the top 10. There is no book in the world that's going to get burned on John Rom at this point. Right? Like, there is just well, no incentive that, to them hanging. Yeah. Full number. Yeah. Tony Fino, I, 36 to go, is minus, you heard me, minus... 120. The next shortest odds are John Rahm at seven to one. That's man. That that is. I mean, I get it because the field, but that's pretty wild. Yeah, I I also think that uh, I wonder if you gave them truth serum and was like just set like a real set like the real odds 
um, what would they be? I mean, you, you have to imagine they are also considering like pre-tournament risk that they might have. Like they're just not for sure. They're just not going to get burned on. on well, I'll, I'll give you. So data golf says 54% female wins. Okay. So that number's about right. Minus one twenty. Uh, EVR is next at 8.3%. Mm, okay. And then, f- and then ROM is next at 8%. All right, so eight percent should be what, like uh, 12, 12? Yeah, twelve. So even, so, even if you then juice it by twenty percent, he should be ten. He's seven. Yeah, and I guess there's a chance he makes like uh, they, maybe they're maybe they're defending against uh, a birdie on on because like data golf is not going to give him a birdie before he makes it. But odds makers have to consider that he's playing 18. Yep. Which is the easiest hole in the course. Yeah. So he'll be probably within six of Finau, five of EVR going into the weekend, which is like nothing, you know? So I, I, I honestly, like, I, I might, I said this after the first round of the Heritage because he was, I think, 40 after shooting a, I don't know, one over, one under there or something. And I think I, I thought he was, or no, he was like 65 to one or something. I was like, Oh, all over that because, and that was different. Cause it's a great field, but I actually don't think seven is really that crazy. Uh, he just hit his second shot into 18. He is short of the green. It looks like a pretty straightforward pitch up the middle. So I, I mean, I might just give him a birdie birdie right now and move him, uh, move him one shot closer, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Those are your, those are your odds. Anything else that we, need to cover heading into the weekend i think we covered it all literally all of it there's nowhere else you're gonna get everything is the draft on tonight yeah how about uh homie will leave us levis is he still still on the board okay so they haven't started do they they just i'm an idiot do they just do the second round tonight i think they do the second and third okay and then i think the following night is like Four, five, six, seven, or something like that. I almost tweeted this, but maybe that Reddit person meant that he was going to be the first pick of the second round. I also that'd be great. Also, um, there's so now there's even more conspiracies of like the guy. It's like, oh, he just wanted to get down, you know, more. He had a Bryce Young ticket. He wanted to catch, yeah. or he wanted to get, more, you know, whatever it is, whatever, whatever fits the narrative of of why you would need somebody else to 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 drop in the odds very quickly. That that would be uh, <laughs> that would be sick. I felt bad for him. It's always painful to watch somebody in the green room. Yeah, it's not a green room, but you know, whatever. It's horrible. Yeah, he's it's not, he's not coming back for tonight. It, are, will other guys be there? Well, he's like the only guy left, right? Well, that's what I'm saying. Do they bring in like a new crop for for round two? Or I hope not. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, gonna say no, but I you hope can't. Not. Yeah, because you don't know. It, it, there's it, there's more variables in round two. You don't know in round one. You kind of know who's gonna who's going. Yeah, I mean, which who it, determines that? Who who's who? How do you, dude? That's another thing. Like agents and like all you have to do is just get a bunch of mock draft people to be like, yeah, like, yeah, Rice Young's gonna go in the top three or whatever. Like, I don't know how it works, but, but everyone always seems to agree on it with, for the most part, it's never like some guy who was projected to go in the seventh round goes third overall. Like that's a, well, there's, there's, there's okay. something happening. There's something happening here. So this is my thing. 
I can't believe we're talking about the draft again, but you watch a game and it's, and part of this is like, I don't know how to watch football, but you watch a game and you're like, especially with non-skill positions, you're like, I don't know. A lot of these guys look kind of the same, not the same, but there's not, I can't really tell a huge difference between the guys that go number three in the draft and the guys that are accountants now. Right. Right. And yet it seems like very obvious to the, to the people that are making decisions. Well, I think the people who are making decisions are probably very much influenced by the mocks because they don't want to be the people that reached on somebody and it didn't work out or whatever. Right. But like, if you just, if you just, if everyone just did their own scouting and nothing was made public, everyone would come up with like very, very different draft boards. Well, and you think about how much influence coaches and even media have over. So, for example, if somebody gets voted as an All-American or All-Big Ten or All-Pac-12 or whatever, all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, that guy must be good because he was all he was an All-American. Well, who determined that? People like me who who don't really know what they're watching, you know, like the whole thing is. It's pretty, it's pretty strange. And it makes you wonder because I'm sure I think about this with baseball. I'm sure you played with guys. You're like, that guy, that guy made it to the, to the majors. Yeah. There's a guy in the majors right now I played with. And I was like, that guy made it. Yes. (laughs) A couple of guys, a couple of guys that have, and then on the flip side, you look at at, uh, some other guys. You're like, how did that guy not make it? Yeah. I did play with another guy who made it to the majors. And I was like, yeah, I knew when he was like 12. Yeah. 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 There, there are those two for <laughs> sure. <laughs> all right. We've now officially covered it all. We'll be back uh, Saturday night and Sunday nights to recap everything else we could have possibly missed. But for now, big thanks. Producer Josh is all the hard work behind the scenes. Kyle Porter available on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. And you can find me at Rick run good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time. Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the Men's Sunday Performance Jogger and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.